0: Please turn in your Bibles now for our scripture reading for today. It is found in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 13 to 23. It is also found on page 12 of your worship guide. And if you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word. And as you do so, please know that God's word never fails. Romans 14, Verses 13 to 23. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Dan. This was a great week to build a snowman. I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to enjoy that. Maybe some of you are thinking it was a great week to stay inside where it's warm. Maybe build a Lego tower or something like that. My mom, who is 80 and lives by herself, made a snowman this week. Not with grandkids, just on her own, because she enjoys doing that whenever there's a snow like that. If you were building a snowman this week, or maybe a Lego tower, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you might have uh, two different kinds of friends. Or maybe you're one of these kinds of people. There's one kind of friend who sees you building, and joins in and helps. And we could call that friend a builder. But there's another kind of friend, who might see you building, and they come And they knock it down. And we'd call that kind of friend a destroyer. Or maybe we wouldn't call them a friend at all. When my children were little, I used to enjoy getting on the floor and playing with them and and building these block towers. And some of them would build with me, and some of them would just knock it down every time. And it was a fun little game we could play. Build it, they knock it down, they laugh. Build it again, they knock it down, they laugh. And they could do that forever. Forever. But whether you're a builder or a destroyer, you know, it's, it's much more serious when it comes to people, when it comes to matters of faith, matters of Christian living. In Romans 12 through 14, Paul has been telling us how to live. He's been giving us commands, instructions. Uh, he, we could say he's been giving us marks of a true Christian. He's describing for us, What a life of gratitude for the grace of God in Christ Jesus that saves us from our guilt. He's describing for us what that life looks like. And he continues today. Today, at the end of Romans 14, we see another mark of this life. And here's how I would summarize it. Because Christ died for his people, every one of them. Because God is at work in the lives of his people, every one of them. So we... God's people must be builders and not destroyers. We must be determined to never do anything that would cause our brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble. That's what we'll look at this morning in three different ways. Uh, I want to look at first why we must do this, what it is that we're actually to do, and then again, why we are to do it. So first, why? What's, What's the context? What's the context of the preceding paragraph, and the entire book of Romans. That can help us understand what Paul is saying. So verse 13, he says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. You've heard me say this before if you're part of this church. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you want to look and see what it's there for. So you go back, proceeding, and see what the passage is talking about. So we look back to the first part of Romans 14. And last week, we started the sermon by looking at four foundational truths that Paul points out to us in that passage. Because God has welcomed us in Christ Jesus. Because we belong to the Lord. Because Jesus Christ died and lived again. Because God is our creator, our king, our judge, our savior because all of these things are true, we are to be builders and not destroyers. We are to decide today not to do anything that would cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble to sin. So Paul's essentially saying the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is the foundation for this way of living. So let's review that as well. This is the The big picture of the book of Romans. And there are many different ways that we can summarize this in a simple format. Today I'm going to share with you one I've shared before. If you can remember the word gospel and you know how to spell it, you can simply and clearly communicate the good news about Jesus. Now why do I do this? For at least three reasons. One, to encourage the saints in Christ Jesus. Second, to equip you to share this with others. And then third, to proclaim the gospel in order that some of you who may be here today who don't know Christ may be saved this very day. So let's review the simple gospel. And remember, this is the foundation for why we are to live in the way that Paul is telling us to live. So the gospel. First, God created us to be with him. God is our creator. He is holy. He is loving. But oh, our sins have separated us from God. Mankind is sinful. We have rebelled against our creator, our king, and our judge. S, sins cannot be removed by good works. There's nothing that we can do to atone for our sin. We can't bring ourselves back into God's good graces, so to speak. So P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Jesus is the only Savior. Savior. E, everyone who repents and believes in Jesus has eternal life. So there is a way to be rescued from our sin and our death. And it's through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. And then L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Jesus is our reigning king, our coming king, and those who trust in him will enjoy life with him both now and forever. So because we believe this good news about Jesus, it has saved our lives, therefore... Do not judge one another, but instead decide right now, today, right here, to never put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. Be builders and not destroyers. So that's the first why of why we are to live like this. We'll come back at the end to another. But now what? What does this mean? What does it mean to be a builder and not a destroyer? What does it mean to decide to never put a stumbling block in the way of a brother? Paul is telling God's people in the church, the saints in Christ Jesus, that the way you live as a follower of Jesus has the potential to either build up or destroy your fellow believers. And you have a responsibility to think about that, to be intentional about what you do or don't do, and to strive to live in a way that will build your brothers and sisters up rather than tear them down or to put it simply, to walk in love. Look at verse 14 again. Paul writes, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Now remember, Paul's writing to a multi-ethnic church. Some of his members, some of the saints in this church at Rome, were Jews. They had grown up learning and following the old testament laws others were gentiles they didn't grow up going to synagogue they didn't grow up being taught to follow those same laws that their brothers and sisters in christ had grown up learning so some of them grew up eating certain foods and not eating others while others in that same church grew up eating whatever they could but now paul says i know nothing is unclean in itself. And the context is these different foods that they eat. He's now saying, you now can eat all kinds of foods. But why? Why is nothing unclean? Some of those believers might be hearing that and they're thinking, wait a minute. What about Leviticus 11? What about Deuteronomy 14? This whole list of clean and unclean animals. We might think about in Acts chapter 10, the apostle Peter has this vision. And in this vision, there's this, this the, these all kinds of animals are put before him. And Peter hears this voice that says, rise, kill, and eat. And his immediate response is, by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. So in all of his life, he's thinking, I've never eaten any of those animals. I'm not supposed to eat those animals. It's wrong for me to eat those animals. And that's what he's thinking in his mind. That's wrong. That's sin. But then he hears a voice come back and say to him, Peter, what God has made clean, do not call common. And that actually happens three times. This is new to Peter. And God's trying to communicate to him what he has made clean. Now, what, Paul, what Peter will then do is he'll go to the home of a Gentile to Cornelius, Cornelius and Peter will learn that this message from God is not only about food but about people and that God is bringing salvation to the Gentiles. So there's an immediate context and a, a broader one as well. So that's one reason why these foods are no longer unclean. But also in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says this, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And he's addressing the issues of the heart. But then Mark comments, and he says, that Jesus, in saying that, declared all foods clean. So that's the context that we're dealing with. There are some believers in the church who still thought it was wrong, it was sin, to eat certain foods. Others had learned from God, they had learned from the apostles, it's now okay to eat those foods. And they could eat them with a clean conscience. But now Paul's instructing this mixed group of believers. Some think it's wrong, some think it's right. And he says, if you exercise that freedom, and it causes your brother or sister in Christ to stumble, that is, to join you in eating when they think it is wrong, then you are actually doing what is wrong because you're not walking in love. You're a destroyer and not a builder. See, in this passage, to cause somebody to stumble means to encourage or to embolden them to do something that they think is wrong for them to do. So to be a builder and not a destroyer is to decide to never put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. That means that we, God's people, will gladly give up our freedoms for the sake of our fellow believers. That we will refrain from doing something that is perfectly okay for us to do out of a love for our brother or sister in Christ, who if they see, not only do they see that action as wrong, But who, by seeing us do it, is then encouraged to join in that action, even though they still think it's wrong. That's what Paul's getting at. It's very specific. So, maybe some examples will help. So if Peter and Cornelius are members of this church in Rome, this is an imaginary scenario. But imagine Peter and Cornelius are members of this church in Rome. Prior to that vision in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is not going to invite Peter over to his home for pork barbecue. Why? Because pigs were unclean animals for the Jews. Now, Cornelius, on his own, might enjoy that meal. He might enjoy it with his family. He might enjoy it with other believers who are free to eat. But when Peter comes over, he's happy to just have a salad. That's one example. Last week, we mentioned drinking alcohol a more modern day example. So there may be some believers today who believe for themselves that it is a sin for them to drink alcohol. If you know someone like that and you have them over into your home or you go over to their home and you drink in front of them and then they begin to drink with you even though they believe it's wrong, now you both are sinning against God. You, because You're doing the exact thing that Paul says not to do. In verse 20, he says, everything indeed is clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats, what he drinks. So it'd be wrong for you to do that. And then he says this, the person who drinks would be sinning because their action is not from faith. Verse 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now, Lord willing, we'll come back next week and Colin will follow up on that verse because we recognize that many of us have, can at times have very tender, very sensitive consciousness. And so we're going to look at that to help us understand what Paul is saying there. But for now, when Paul says that, anything that doesn't come from faith is sin, that signifies to us both the importance of our conscience and the importance of our faith. It tells us that why we do what we do matters just as much, if not more, as what we actually do. Brothers and sisters, we are to aim to do everything from faith. That is, it flows from our love for and our trust in Jesus. In honor of the Lord, giving thanks to God who has freed us from our sin. But you can't do that if you're doing something that you believe to be wrong. So even if the outward action is not a sin in God's eyes, if you think it is and you do it, that means you're not living for the honor of God. You are not giving thanks to God. You're not doing this in fear of the Lord. It means that something else has taken the place of faith in God at that moment. And you are living for the honor of that thing, in fear of that person, or giving thanks for that pleasure, whatever it may be. So we see the importance of faith, trust in the Lord, all of life, all day, every day, this orientation around Jesus Christ, all of life, worship and giving thanks to God. But we also see the importance of our conscience and of having a conscience that's formed by the word of God. Not just what we think might be right or wrong or what others might think might be right or wrong. But what does the word of God actually say? In Romans 14, Paul says, he's been telling us, we're not to pass judgment on one another. Don't judge the conscience of your brother or your sister. But that doesn't mean there isn't a judge. God is our judge. And the word of God is the judge of our conscience. And so our conscience must be trained, it must be shaped, it must be formed by the word of God. There is a, Sermon series on our website, our podcast that uh, Colin did on the conscience a few summers ago. It's an excellent study that if you missed it or you want to review it, I'd encourage you to listen to it again. But we want to train our conscience by the Word of God. Now, how does that happen? I'll say it again. It's happening right now. Gathered worship on Sunday is a great opportunity for us to have our conscience shaped as we hear the Word of God proclaimed. Regular participation here. But you can also do that on your own. Regular study of the word of God throughout the week. In your own home. On your own. Or in a community group. Or in a Bible study. These are ways that we begin to shape our conscience by the very word of God. Now we continue on in verse 21. The word of God says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. In my high school Bible class at Lancaster Christian School, we had a debate on this passage. I still remember it these many years later. I think one of the reasons I remember it is because it was one of those debates where you were assigned a side. You didn't get to pick. The teacher just said, you got to argue this side and put other people over here. you got to argue this side. And so I was part of this argument, and I was on the, on the side of, uh, trying to understand what Paul's saying and, and communicating, hey, we got to lay aside these freedoms out of love for our brothers. So I was communicating that, and my classmate came back at me and basically said, wait a minute, so, so you're never going to eat meat again? And I was kind of like a little bit offended when they came at me so hard on that. But I was thinking, that's exactly the point that Paul's making. If that's what it takes, yes. That's the mindset of the believer who's walking in love. I will gladly lay aside my freedom, my rights, my preference, in love for my brother or sister. I'll lay aside my freedom for the sake of my brother's faith. And think about it. And Paul actually takes us there. All he's asking us to do is to live as if we truly believe that Jesus has died and lived again as if we truly have the mind of Christ. We have his spirit living in us, enabling us to walk in love as Christ loved us. Beloved, are you walking in love today? In Ephesians 5, Paul will say, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ loved us And gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Beloved, you have been given the mind of Christ. So you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can love people. You can follow in the steps of Christ and do nothing from selfish ambition. But in humility, you can count others more significant than yourselves. You can look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so we will do that in many different ways. We will put the needs of others before our own. We'll do it in many small ways. If you're able, we encourage you at times. What do we say? Park far, sit near. That's a very small, simple way. Not everyone can do that, but some of you can. And we encourage you to do so. Or we'll say, come early and stay late. Not all of you can do that. It may be harder for some of you than others, but some of you will do that in love to serve your brothers and sisters. When we think about the music here at Proclamation, I haven't said this in a while, but in the early days, we said there's three words that will guide our music, three principles we have, and one of them is preference. When it comes to the music we sing, the songs, the actual songs we choose, the style, a lot of that often comes down to preference. And we communicated that a guiding word that's going to Come above preference is privilege. That our focus will be on what an amazing privilege it is that we get to sing the praises of our God and Savior. So we'll come asking God to give us that sense of wonder and awe and humility and focus less on whether or not we like this particular song. So we'll set aside our preferences. What we said is we'll love one another enough to sing each other's songs. So these are some ways... That we can love one another. Or today, in our fellowship meal, there's going to be a lot of good food there. And maybe you're one of the first ones in line. But maybe out of love for your brother or your sister who's coming later, you'll take a little bit less to make sure they have some. Or maybe there's only one piece of that smoked meat left, and you'll pass by that for the next person. I'll put a plug in for April 21st. It looks like we're going to try to have a lot of smoked meat on April 21st when we celebrate our 10-year anniversary. So plan to join us on that day. But those are general principles. Those examples that I've, I've just given, they're not really what Paul's talking about here in Romans 14. They are ways that we can love others and set aside our preferences for them. But what Romans 14 is calling for is self-denial, a Christ-like sacrificial service for the sake of our fellow saints. We hear it in our call to confession, Galatians chapter 5, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to, For the flesh. What's he saying? Your freedom is not just so you can serve yourself. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have to ask ourselves a hard question this morning. Are we willing to give up our freedom for the sake of others? And if so, how? How might we do that? This will be different for each one of us depending on our our context and who we're with. So, beloved, how will you do that specifically? Is there someone or something that is coming to your mind from the Holy Spirit right now? And I pray that the Holy Spirit will grant us to be considerate of one another. If there is someone who has a conviction of conscience that is different from yours, don't put a stumbling block in their way. And don't welcome them just to argue about it. Remember last week. Now there is a place for meeting with your brother or sister in love and listening carefully to seek to understand what they believe and why and then gently and patiently studying the word of God with them to pray that they would see the freedom that they have in Christ and that they can enjoy that with a clean conscience. Paul doesn't address that in this text. He simply says, be a builder, not a destroyer. Reign in your freedom out of love. For the family of God. Now let's go on to the next why to finish up our outline here. Uh, and before we get to that, let me just give a very brief sidebar, a teaching point, because context is so important when you read and study the Bible. What if someone said to you, The Bible says, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God? So stop witnessing. Stop telling me about Jesus. Your faith is a private matter. It's for your own home, for your own church. What would you say? What would you do? Well, you can say, and I would say you should say, the Bible doesn't say that. You might say, what? Our pastor is wrong. Verse 22 says those exact words. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. It says those words, but it 100% does not mean Do not witness. Do not tell others about Jesus. Context has to do with not causing other believers to stumble by flaunting your faith in the face of their tender conscience. See how important it is not to take a statement from Scripture out of its context? This is another reason for us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we'll understand it in its context so we won't be led astray, we won't be deceived. Now let's go back to this why. Why should we be a builder and not a destroyer? Why should we determine I'm not going to do anything that might cause a precious brother or sister in Christ to stumble? Two reasons in the passage. First, Christ died for his people, everyone. And then second, God is at work in the lives of his people, everyone. So first, Christ died for his people, everyone. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Now let's pause for a moment and remember again why Christ died. God is our creator. He's our king. He's our judge. He is holy. He has perfect justice. And thus he has a perfect and righteous and just wrath against all sin. That's both good news and bad news for us. It's bad news because mankind is sinful. You'll hear me say, all are needy. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the scriptures teach us that every sin deserves God's wrath and curse. We all deserve death for our sin. But thanks be to God, God is merciful. He is kind To undeserving sinners. So, what did he do? He sent his own son, Jesus, to pay our wages, to pay the debt that we deserved to pay. So, when the Bible talks about the death of Jesus, it's not simply talking about physical death, it's not talking about the pain of the crucifixion, it's talking about Jesus' death as a substitute for sinners. Death as the payment for the penalty of our sin. Death as suffering, the curse, the wrath of God that you deserved. Jesus took it, beloved, so that you could go free. It's talking about what we confessed together in our corporate prayer of confession this morning on page 7. Hear those, these words again. The death of Christ. Christ was all anguish. That I might be all joy. Cast off. That I might be brought in. Treated as an enemy. That I might be welcomed as a friend. Surrendered to hell's worst. That I might attain heaven's best. Stripped. That I might be clothed. Wounded. That I might be healed. Made thirsty. That I might be satisfied. Tormented. That I might be comforted. Made ashamed. That I might inherit glory. Enter darkness. Darkness. That I might have eternal light, died, that I might live, and raised to life again, that I might rise with him. O Father, who spared not your Son, that I might be spared, forgive my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, help me to adore thee by lips and life and love, and help me to love as you have loved me. Do you see it there, beloved? We are to be builders and not destroyers because Christ died for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Christ died for us. And beloved, this is how we should view one another. When you look around this room, you join us for the meal afterwards, you're sitting next to your brothers and sisters. Think of them, see them. These are the ones for whom Christ died. These are the ones... Jesus loves. Let us see one another in that way and thus treat each other accordingly. If Jesus gave up his life for my brother, for my sister, can I not give up eating meat when I'm with them? That's what Paul's getting at in the context of Romans 14. For us, we might say, can I not give up drinking wine or alcohol when I'm with them? Or can I not give up being entertained by things that might grieve them you can almost hear the disbelief in paul's voice it's almost as if he's saying really are you really not willing to part with a certain food you do realize that jesus gave up his very life for them and for you right you do understand the gospel don't you See, brothers and sisters, an unwillingness to sacrifice, an unwillingness to suffer for others, contradicts the love of Christ that gives us life. It is inconsistent with the gospel. Beloved, Christ died for the saints at proclamation. Surely we can die to our own desires in order to build one another second and last reason for today why be builders and not destroyers why determine to never put a stumbling block in someone's way because god's at work in the lives of his people every one of you god is at work in your life verse 20 do not for the sake of food destroy the work of god what work is he talking about he's talking about the work in believers making them more like christ growing them in their faith and God is at work in every believer he 's in the at work in the life of the one that you would cause to stumble, and so Paul says, don't do that, do not for the sake of your preference, hurt this work. Now, I will say, and you know you cannot truly destroy that work, but Paul doesn 't qualify it. Why not? Because this is a weighty matter, and because Paul is emphasizing the character of the sin and the consequences that it can have in order to impress upon us the gravity of this sin in causing others to stumble. Paul's already made it clear in this letter, just a few chapters earlier, the wonderful security we have in our faith in Romans chapter 8. We rejoiced in those truths. We heard them this morning. There's nothing that can separate the child of God from the love of God, ever. You are secure forever. The work of God in your life cannot be destroyed. It's victorious, and it ends in a glory you cannot imagine. So we have that security, but Paul doesn't want us to step back and and hide behind those truths. Oh, well, since my brother is secure forever, it doesn't matter how I might affect him. He doesn't want us to become apathetic about sin, to have no concern about how we might influence our fellow believers. And so he warns us, do not destroy the work that God's doing. Now, th- think about it. If God's building, if you're there with Jesus and Jesus is building a block tower, if he's building a snowman, are you going to go over and knock it down? I wouldn't. By what you eat, beloved, don't knock down, don't tear down the faith of another. By what you eat or by what you do, don't give your brother or sister in Christ directions to the road to destruction. If you cause them to stumble, you put them on this road to greater and greater sin. Remember what we've learned about sin before. Sin takes you farther than you wanted to go. You stay longer than you wanted to stay. You pay more than you wanted to pay. Sin is destructive. And Satan is a liar. These temptations hold out promises. They're never fulfilled. Never. It always leads to destruction. So when you cause a brother to stumble by what you eat, by what you drink, you cause them to go against their conscience, to do what they think is wrong. What's the result in their life? And the immediate result is guilt, right? The Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin. But what would be their response? Emboldened by you, they suppress that guilt. They ignore their conscience, and they act apart from faith. And that kind of behavior then can be repeated in other areas that are truly sinful for anyone and everyone. And it can lead to a hardness of heart. And Paul's saying, that's what we want to think about. We don't want to be on that road ourselves, and we don't want to encourage others to be on that road. We don't want people to get used to sinning against their conscience. Yes, their conscience may need to be trained, and we can work on that. But we don't want to encourage them to go against their conscience. So, beloved, may God use us to build up the faith of the saints here at Proclamation and not tear it down. On Friday afternoon, Amy and I were walking along Masonic Drive and on the sidewalk, and we came across a very small snowman. And I was briefly tempted to knock it down. I think because of this message, it was on my mind. And I thought, all it would take is a quick kick. But I stopped. One reason, because Amy pointed out this tiny little carrot that was next to it for the nose. And I should have been a builder. I should have picked it up and put it back on. But I, you know why I didn't destroy it as I was thinking about that? Not only because hopefully I'm not a mean person like that. But I thought, in that moment it struck me, this was probably made by a little child. And I thought, in that one brief moment, what, what sadness I could cause to a precious little child by doing something. But beloved, so much more is at stake in the family of God. Not just sadness, but sin against our loving Savior. And we have the opportunity. We have this wonderful opportunity and how we treat one another. And being willing to sacrifice for one another. To say to our brother or sister, I love you so much, I'm willing to set this aside. To build one another up. To help you grow in your faith so that Jesus Christ, who died for us, will be magnified. That's the true aim, the true goal, right? And living this way, we are showing one another and we are showing The world, how great Jesus is, that he is our treasure. And I want to thank you. Thank you, the saints and proclamation. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for being builders and not destroyers. Let's keep building, let's continue to grow in love as we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who for the joy set before him, the beloved people of God being redeemed so they can spend glory with him forever, freed from the penalty and the power and the presence of sin. He is the one for that joy set before him who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let us encourage one another and build one another up on our way to this celestial city, on our way to our great King. Amen.